Today on Locked On Canadians, what is it going to take to fix the Canadians' power play? We're going to look ahead to tonight's game against the Winnipeg Jets. And we're going to talk about a very bizarre coach ranking. All of that is coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 695. My name is Laura Sav, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla. And we both thank you all for making us your first listen of the day every day, whether it's on YouTube or any of your favorite podcast apps. We are so grateful to you. Scott, I'm going to ask you how you're doing, and I'm going to ask you not to contextualize it in terms of tonight's game. Well... I'm doing all right. Um, I'm a little <laughs> sleepy. I'm a little tired. And that might have to do with the COVID booster I got this morning more than anything else or that I've been folding laundry all afternoon. Um, but overall, I, I'm doing all right. Um, the Canadians definitely played a game. That is about what I can say about their game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Wednesday night. <laughs> So we are going to talk a little bit about that game. We're going to talk about the few, you know, highlights. We're going to talk a little bit about the abysmal power play. And then we're going to move on to uh, we're going to move on to the Winnipeg Jets game. And finally, at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about a very bizarre coach ranking. Uh, all that's coming up. But first, Scott, in tonight's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, it always sucks to lose to Toronto, even if it is a preseason game. Let's just hope that in the regular season, the Canadians bring back their ability to cause Toronto to have an inexplicable meltdown and lose games. In the meantime, was there anyone that really stood out to you in tonight's game or anything that stood out to you in a positive way? So my thought on tonight is that I don't think the Canadians played badly. I don't think they played well, but they, you know, possessed the puck a little bit more than Toronto. And they were playing with like a very, you know, mostly AHL lineup. And so was Toronto. And the biggest thing is, again, is Toronto got to the dangerous areas to create their goals and Montreal didn't or their shots were blocked because Toronto insulated a little bit more. Um, I have two names that stood out for me and maybe a third in your mileage may vary. Uh, Philip Mayshar and Jordan Harris, I thought were outstanding in this game. Uh, I noticed them creating a lot of opportunities and then uh, the ever confusing Emil Heinemann. Uh, is also someone that a lot of people on Twitter pointed out, and maybe I was being too harsh not mentioning him originally. Uh, but when I first noticed Heinemann in the first period, I'm like, his skating's wonky. He's not creating much. And then by the third period, he's, you know, a little bit more elusive and everything. I wonder if he's just a slow starter. But uh, the young guys played reasonably well. And across the board, like I'm not going to be, you know, too fed up with it. It's like the penalty kill didn't play well, but it was a lot of AHL guys and the power play stinks, but Philip Mayshar standing out the way he has through the rookie tournament, through scrimmages, through the first two preseason games. Now I've kind of, yeah, the OHL is probably the right level for him going forward to, I think this is a kid who they can stick in Laval and then can call up to the NHL this year in short bursts and still get uh, some good results out of him. 
I was really impressed watching him create space out of nothing tonight. And that's a skill that's really hard to teach someone. So I was really, really impressed with what I saw from him tonight. I've got to say, I've been enjoying him so far. Um, that's definitely been a highlight for me as well. Uh, I also kind of want to talk about the power play. It's just been a joke for a long time, a running joke for a long time. And I think the Canadians, I don't think it's a personnel problem. I think it's a strategy problem because we've gone through many iterations of this team and we've seen a lot of troubling power plays. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are because I thought for me, what I saw on the ice was the players not executing correctly. That's what I saw, right? I don't even think you can necessarily describe it as completely passive or anything like that or too jittery or anything. I just felt like they were just making the wrong decisions. Like, how do you fix that? I, that's the thing. Like, I, I look at what they did tonight and it's just everything feels disjointed. And I know these aren't people who are going to be playing on the power play together, aren't going to be in the same league together. But something just isn't clicking. And every now and then there's an individual breakthrough, but there's not a sustained pressure with the power play. It is focused on getting it and getting a shot off and not really wearing down the defense. And tonight on power play one, Rem Pitlick was a trigger shooter, which I I like Rem Pitlick for what he does bring to this team. It is not being power play one uh, shooting guy there. And I still think the biggest thing with this power play is that Uri Slavkovsky is wasted as just a net front presence and that they need him playing off to the side or working as a behind the net guy and using his physicality to open up space there on the power play. And I think they're going to get a lot more out of that. And people are going to point as like, he doesn't have any goals yet. He doesn't have this. They scored one goal in the preseason for one thing, but <laughs> I think Slavkovsky looks fine for what he's yes. doing. There are sometimes that he's trying to force things. There's sometimes that maybe he's a little too selfish. He's learning his physicality is there at the professional level. It's just a learning curve to hit that next step. I don't know what they're going to do with the power play this year. Like I, Mike Matson is likely their top power play quarterback. And then Chris Weidman is on power play too. You got a million guys. We know Caulfield can shoot. We know Suzuki's going to be fine. How do you work Doc in? How do you work Dvorak in? How do you work Gallagher in? How do you work Hoffman in? How do you work potentially Slefkowski and these other guys here? There's five preseason games left for them to figure it out. And I don't know how many Nick Suzuki's going to play, if he plays any at all. We haven't even seen Josh Anderson yet. Like, there's a lot of decisions to be made. So I'm not going to panic over it now, but I would like to see something that resembles a coherent system before too long here, or then I'm going to start panicking a little bit about it. Speaking of Slavkovsky, I really like what you said about using his physicality to open up the ice. I feel like the Canadians need to give him more opportunities to do that, not just on the power play, just in general. Um, and, you know, he's going to he's going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. You know, whenever the team is good or bad, the preseasons are always a bit off. Uh, so I'm not going to put too much stock into it. And obviously we know there's going to be a lot of, a lot of losses this year, but I do want to see positive steps from all of these people. Um, and speaking of positive steps from all of these players, they're going to have another chance to do that tomorrow night. And we're going to preview that game or tonight, actually, when you're listening to this, and we're going to preview that game 
in just one moment. But first, I got to remind you that betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season, NHL betting info for everything. You're going to find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf, all of that is at BetOnline.net, or you can use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk about the next game, which is against the Winnipeg Jets. And the Jets did seem to release a lineup, and I didn't see the coward Mark Shifley on there. No, the coward Mark Shifley is not in this lineup, which means the entire franchise is just full of cowards. But like we knew that already anyways, (laughs) um, I'm looking at their lineup here, and it's somewhere between their AHL top six and a few NHL guys. Brad Lambert's playing. Sorry, JD. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is playing. Sam Gagne, who is apparently a Winnipeg Jet now, is playing. Um, Mason Appleton. And then on defense, it's Vili Hainola, Jonathan Kovacic, uh, Dylan Sandberg, Kyle uh, Capobianco, Logan Stanley and Nate Schmidt with Riddich and Arvid Holm and Net. And I look at that and I go, all right. It's, again, a mixed lineup a little bit. And there are some names we haven't seen play for the Canadians yet. We haven't seen Christian Dvorak yet. We haven't seen a guy like Alex Belzeal play yet. There's still other names kicking around that haven't been sent back. And I'm imagining by the time Saturday rolls around when they play the Senators, um, the Canadians will then cut this down for their last uh, four preseason games the following week there. In this game, uh, I don't think Slavkovsky, Meshar, or Beck should play. It's obviously, that's a lot to ask of. You have guys who played Monday. Played tonight. Slavkovsky was not supposed to play tonight. Jonathan Drouin is out with an illness. We haven't seen him yet in the preseason, at least in a game. And you don't want to wear down Beck, Meshar, and Slavkovsky that quickly in this. So I'm very curious what the lineup's going to look like because I imagine Caulfield will play. I imagine Doc will play again, probably Mike Hoffman. And then from there, you know, who else is going to be ready to play? Who's going to get the net? Are they going to give it to Jake Allen? Are they going to give it to Caden Primo? Uh, is Joe Verbatic going to play a game? They sent both uh, goalies on tryout contracts back to their junior team. So it is down to just contracted goalies. And I'm kind of interested just what are they going to do? They have a lot of bodies and a lot of guys who need to play. Is this a chance for Matthias Norlinder to kind of eat up some minutes here? He played well against the Moose in the AHL for a couple of games last year when he was there. Across the board, this is a game where I'm hoping they kind of get right a little bit, get their power play sorted out. Even if they have to, if it's a high-scoring game, try and figure out, get that offense clicking a little bit because it's been stagnant, to say the least, so far. And the Jets are there for basically opening up defensively. So at the time that we're recording this, we only know the Jets lineup. We don't know the Canadians lineup. But I like that you mentioned... We do know one player who will be playing for the Canadians tomorrow, and that's William Trudeau. Because apparently Ooh. that's the only name the uh, Renaud Lavoie wanted to tweet that he had tw- uh, practiced with uh, guys who weren't playing tonight, which means he's likely playing tomorrow. But he didn't say any of the other names, just William Trudeau. So, okay, 
I'm not <laughs> opposed to it. Um, <laughs> apparently, he's just old enough, too, that he can sign an AHL contract this year without needing an entry-level deal. So We'll see. Um, so that's going to be interesting to watch. But one name that I do hope is in the lineup is Matthias Norlinder. There's so many question marks surrounding him. And I'm really upset that people are calling him a bust already. Like we do know there's been some issues with his development and some of the decision making that's gone around, you know, surrounding what 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 happened to him last year. I personally think that, you know, I didn't see enough for him from him yet. It's only the preseason. I want to see more from him. I want to give him the opportunity. I want the Canadians to give him the opportunity because I do believe that there is a room that there is room for him on this team. A lot of people like, you know, when you're looking even on Reddit or on Twitter or on Facebook, like, you know, we're, we're around, we're listening to people. We're, we're reading. A lot of people have the, have him as the odd man out um, on this, you know, this defensive prospect system. So I want to see a bit more from him against the Winnipeg Jets. I look at this too is that it's like it's okay to say that maybe he's not an NHL ready. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Uh, David St. Louis and Mitch Brown talked about it on Twitter last night is that his decision making and confidence isn't where it was. And part of that is injuries shook him up a little bit. You know, he had a rough go in the NHL because Dominique Ducharme was not a good coach for not going to beat around that bush and didn't use him in the proper ways there. And I think he has a reset that he has to go through. And that's hard for a young player who's, you know, I don't want to say frustrated, but maybe not where they want to be in all of this. And I think before long, if they can kind of unlock that, hey, do what feels natural. Like Martin saying that we talked about with the media today, he's coaching the four guys off the puck, not the guy on the puck, because that's how the game is played in the future with those four guys, not the one carrying it at this moment. I think that's really important for someone like Matthias Norlander, whose game is about aggressive offensive play from the blue line. And that's something the Canadians need. Yes, Chris Weidman does it. Yes, uh, occasionally you see it from Jordan Harris and Justin Barron. But Norlander, when he's at his peak, is definitely skating in from the point or carrying the puck out of his own zone and making high-risk, high-reward plays and they're not always going to work, but you want to encourage him to continue to try things that no one else is. And I'm hoping this is a game where they give him an opportunity. Let him quarterback power play one if Matheson isn't playing, but I assume Matheson will be playing. Let him quarterback one of the power plays. Let him operate to his strength, working as a distributor, not a secondary piece. Um, I, I'm not really ready to write him off yet. He's still young. And it's okay that he's not, NHL ready yet give it takes a little bit of time sometimes for guys to fully you know get that and the last thing you want to do is give up on a player of his caliber and he gets into a system where he's allowed to kind of grow and flourish and then we do that well where was this in Montreal kind of thing here so I think this game against the Jets it's not a make or break I'm not calling any of these games in a preseason a make or break thing not by a long shot but I think this is a huge opportunity for him to kind of get himself back on track. And we know how Habs fans are, and we're the same way, is that one night you're a bust, one night you're the best player in the organization. It can change in a heartbeat. And I think this is one of those chances for him. 
And we, before we move on to our next segment, I just want to remind everybody that tomorrow's our mailbag episode. Yes, we will recap the Winnipeg Jets game, but we want your mailbag questions. If you'd like to send them to us, you can leave them in the YouTube comments. You can email them to us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com and you can tweet them to us at LO underscore Canadians. You can also DM us on Twitter. Um, I promise I won't forget. Sometimes I forget those ones and then we do them a week later, but I promise I'll be on top of it this time. Um, and in the meantime, we're going to turn our attention to a very bizarre coaching poll and this is one of the things that I miss doing on Locked On Canadians we used to have silly season a lot more on this podcast we've gotten a lot more serious and as as we've grown as a podcast we haven't had time to have a little fun so we're going to do that and that's coming up in our very next segment All right. So before we move into this poll, I want to bring back fashion, locked on fashion, Habs fashion. And I need to say that Arbor Jacki has insane fashion sense. I love it. He is so good at wearing what makes him look good. And Scott, do you not agree with me on this? I do. Uh, his outfit tonight in Toronto made him look like the Undertaker from professional wrestling, though, and I'm a big fan of that. Like, <laughs> are you I mean, up his outfit for me? Is that is that what's going on now? I mean, that I I that's because I saw a tweet. I'm like, okay, that man can rock a mean hat, and I'm a big fan of that. So, it I I am all I am all in favor of you know us continuing the fashion trend here and like just absolutely doing this after every single game or when we see something that's you know really good um i'm gonna jump right into this coach's poll here thing because it's it's going to take less than five minutes five people on this list for me to immediately be mad at it and um adam vinyan tweeted this out it was run through some kind of app that uses the golden ratio balance or some other beauty app like it's like an are you hot or not type app. <laughs> I guess so. Like I don't really get how it ranked these things because number one, Jay Woodcroft of the Edmonton Oilers, which okay, fine. Number two is Daryl Sutter of the Calgary Flames. And number three is Derek Lalonde, then John Hines, Paul Maurice, Rick Bonus, Craig Berube, Dallas Eakins, John Tortorella, Rod Brindamore, Dean Evison, Brad Larson. Sheldon Keith, Dave Hackstall, Jared Bednar is 15th on this list. Bruce Boudreaux, Lindy Ruff, Luke Richardson, Don Granado, Martin St. Louis is tied for 20th with Pete DeBoer. And I want to stop this right there because if you put Pete DeBoer and Martin St. Louis next to each other, Pete DeBoer is the human embodiment of Kirk Van Houten from The Simpsons. Mr. <laughs> I sleep in a race car bed and work at the Cracker Factory pete DeBoer, he looks like a divorced dad just trying his best every single time i see him his shirts and suits don't fit quite right he <laughs> he looks like he's just had way too much and then you have martin saint louis who has the quads of adonis and is the silver fox hair and everything and i do and, not an adorable face Let's yes say, yes like I, this app is like at the bottom, Peter Laviolette, fine. Andre Torini, David Quinn is 29th on this. And David How? Quinn, David Quinn might be a terrible coach, but that is a handsome man. And I, I what? 
Like, I don't, I don't get it at all. Like, Daryl Sutter at number two might be the most offensive thing on this list above anything else. Honest to God, because how? How is Daryl Sutter, through whatever app this is, the second most handsome coach in the NHL? I, I, I demand an inquiry. I'm trying to figure out who came up with the idea of running all of the coaches through this thing. And did they did they deliberately choose ugly pictures for teams that they don't like? Is that is, is that possible? I don't know. Like I I I I don't know. Like who I'm, like I'm said, looking at him right now. He looks like sorry, I'm talking about David Quinn at this point. I'm looking at him right now. He looks like he could be a movie star. Like he, he looks like play... Benedict Cumberbatch. There you go. Like, or he could play like a lawyer in one of those law, law dramas, right? Like, and he has like you know all all of all of the the money and all of the girlfriends and never like wants to be tied down like that lawyer character. Um, I just I'm looking at this and I'm like I, I don't. And Peter Laviolette is not bottom of the league. Like I mean, Peter Laviolette reminds me of Alfred Molina a little bit, the guy who played Doctor Octopus in right. Spider Man movies. But like, <laughs> I like how like that's the movie go to you have. <laughs> look, I I've watched a lot of Marvel movies. All right, um, Bruce Boudreaux being sixty this hilarious to me. Someone told him and someone told him that, and he he had a quip that I do not have in front of me, unfortunately. But like, he said someone looks like a thumb. I think in there too, like on the rankings of this, because someone told showed this to coaches and got the reaction. <laughs> so like, but I just look at this app and I go, if your app has Daryl Sutter as the second most handsome coach and like Rod Brindamore and David Quinn are not even in your top 10, something is very, very wrong with your app. And there's something very, very wrong with your eyes in and of itself. Like mm-hmm. I come on, like I, Speaking of coaches, do we have two seconds for me to yell at Michelle Terrian before the show is over? We do. We, so, have, we actually have quite a bit of time left on the clock, so go for it. So he was on a podcast, I believe, with uh, Rafael Doucet, and they, he talked about how he couldn't develop anybody because there was nobody in the organization to develop. And to me, I look at that and go, Okay, maybe not the high tier of talent the Canadians have today because they were coming out of a contending window. I contending, but they traded a lot of picks for guys to continue to try and make the playoffs and make a push. And at the same time, I didn't have anyone to develop. Sounds kind of like a load of bull crap to me because, yeah, Jared Tenorti had limited upside, but probably should have been better than what you made him into. Nathan Beaulieu, you benched for Douglas Murray. You know, Sven Andragetto had a very strong rookie season, and then you just went, ah, no, try to put him in the AHL. He was claimed on waivers, and he was never seen again. Uh, Charles Houdon kind of got yo-yoed between things, and that continued, and that just didn't work. Michael Bourneval was someone who had a strong rookie season, and then just, nope, don't want him anymore. I get that maybe the organization wasn't in the best place at the time, but as Jared Book put it, Every time someone from the Canadians organization the last decade opens their mouth, I kind of understand why the team is in the position that it's in. It Michel Therrien took zero responsibility for anything he might have done wrong. In his mind, he has never done anything wrong. And I, at this point, I go, we wasted so much time on you as having you as the coach here that you did heavy damage to him. And the same goes for Sylvain Lefebvre in the AHL as well. 
Mark Bergman's biggest misstep that isn't isn't a trade, isn't a signing. It is his handling of the people who dealt directly with the players. And that was abysmal and set this franchise back to the point that we are now like where we're at now. And it's bad. And you look back at it now and, you know, I kind of look back at it and go, there were high points, but the long-term damage that they did is not something you want to see if you're a Habs fan. I absolutely agree with you there. And I think that, the good thing is that the current Canadians seem to have recognized that those were weaknesses in the past. Um, they seem to have put, you know, a coach in place and their coaching staff was kind of selected, or at least, you know, the defensive coach, the head coach and the defensive coach were selected um, as people who are interested in development, who are interested in building uh, their, you know, their, the way that their drafting seems to be, you know, at least it's bold. At least they're, they're, you know, careful with strategy. The fact that they're investing in development, I think is the biggest key here. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Michelle Therrien and, and stuff like that. And I just think that old school guys in today's NHL, they're, they've got a limited shelf life. The only old school guy that I can think of that will stick it out is probably John Tortorella, because every time you turn around and count him out, He's gonna. People keep hiring John Tortorella for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just to like root out people they don't want in the organization anymore or what, but <laughs> John Tortorella's got a shelf life of Twinkies, man. Like that you yeah. can't get rid of the guy, which props for you. Get the bag, I guess. Like, you know, get paid. You want to stay in the cup already. Who the hell cares? That gets yeah, you exactly. basically whatever you want. Exactly. But he's the only old school guy that I see actually like, you know, sticking around. Uh, in the meantime, we will not be sticking around. We will be back tomorrow with our mailbag episodes. So don't forget to get those questions in. You can find our podcast wherever you find your podcast, uh, wherever you find your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You can leave questions for the mailbag in the YouTube comments. You can also email them to us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. And you can tweet them to us or DM them to us on Twitter, LO underscore Canadians. Thank you so much for listening. And when you're done checking out this episode, make sure you check out Locked On NHL. See you tomorrow.